Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. This week, we are back to our regular scheduled programming. We will be featuring our top five startups from the Global Startup Summit last week, every Thursday over the next five weeks, as we introduce our new startup spotlight format every Thursday from now on. And again, every Tuesday, we'll still feature yours truly on the mic, interviewing people all around the world, driving change in their local startup ecosystem. And today we have someone doing just that in Alabama. Matt Hoddle is a partner at Red Hawk Advisory. Uh, Matt's been a good friend and on the show a couple times, and he recently was a part of a new venture capital fund that they just closed this past year called the Alabama Futures Fund, which is a $25 million fund that invests in startups based in Alabama or willing to relocate to Alabama. This is a fantastic case study in new economic development thinking and something that a lot of cities and towns across the Midwest really needs to pay attention to. So this is an important episode. Uh, really hope you enjoy it. Now pass it off to our guest, Matt Hoddle, partner at Red Hawk Advisory. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. We are here with Matt Hoddle, who is a partner in Red Hawk Advisory. Matt, last time we chatted, I believe it was summer 2017, uh, you had an idea to launch an early stage venture fund to invest in Alabama startups. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, you were looking at around five to seven million. Uh, but fast forward to 2019, the Alabama Futures Fund is a $25 million fund investing in startups in Alabama or willing to relocate to Alabama. But Matt, tell us really, you know, how this whole fund came together over the past couple of years. Yeah, so uh, my business partner at Red Hawk, Mickey Millsap, and I had been talking about raising a six to kind of eight million dollar uh, venture capital fund for early stage uh, companies, early stage investing, and we had just started really mentioning it to people that we were going to try to put this thing together, and got a phone call from a friend of ours who found out that Raymond Harvard um, here in Birmingham, uh, Alabama was thinking about doing the same thing and uh, was nice enough to invite us to lunch. So I got to sit down and, and talk with him and turns out what he wanted to build uh, as, as far as the fund goes was very similar to what we were talking about, but he was planning on doing it on a much larger scale. Um, and so we had a lot of discussions with him about us potentially running the fund on, on the general partnerships behalf and and we agreed to do that. We went out and fundraised and raised about $25 million um, for early stage startups uh, that are located in or willing to relocate to Alabama. And so who are some of the investors or the, the LPs in this fund? Because I, I think I saw in an article that Charles Barkley uh, was one of the... He is. Okay, he is. So, I mean, who, who are the LPs? Yeah, so um, we have a fairly strong Auburn contingent, Auburn university contingent uh, among our, our limited partners. And so the limited partners include Raymond Harbert, uh, Benny LaRussa, uh, Turner Burton over core construction, um, Protective Life, um, and some others. And so what ended up happening was we ended up with a lot of uh, Auburn alum, uh, a 
alumni uh, as, as part of the, the limited partnership. <laughs> Charles Barkley, as a Auburn alum, um, cut wind of what we were doing and talked to Raymond and said that he might like to participate. And so we got to sit down with Charles and Charles's business team, and, and he signed up to be one of the limited partners. So we've, we've appreciated having him, and it's been a great resource. And can you walk us through the the story that you approach in potential investors and potential LPs in this fund with? Because I, I think this is a really important uh, model for economic development organizations in a lot of Midwest cities to, to really take a look at and, and see how you guys are going about this. What we wanted to do was kind of twofold. One is we wanted to have a traditional venture capital fund um, with kind of venture capital motivations around placing early um early investments, private investments in companies, and obviously having them be very successful and go on to, to raise additional capital or, you know, uh, have some success in, you know, merger acquisition opportunities, you know, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, wanted to really focus on what would it look like to have those companies that we're investing in be in the state of Alabama exclusively. So on that end of it, it was very much um, feeling like an economic development project. Um, most economic development projects focus on, you know, large scale employers that are headquartered somewhere else. They come into the state, they employ a bunch of people. Um, but that doesn't really necessarily lend itself to any real innovation. Um, that is more about workforce development, um, sometimes and, and employment than it is about, uh, really kind of creating things that, you know, are wrapped around and, and inherently associated with, the state or the city that they're in. And so that's really what we wanted to try to create was from the other end of that economic development spectrum. What would it look like to have the next, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that is. Um, and so having an opportunity to talk to people about that, there's, there was a real uh, motivation um, for those business leaders to be included in an opportunity to, to participate both financially. And then also too, on the back end of it as a resource, providing mentorship, access to their organizations, to their networks, et cetera. Um, and what we found was that was a pretty compelling message for a lot of people. And so when it comes to attracting companies and, and startups from out of state, you know, I know one of your most recent investments, Junco, was from Silicon Valley. You guys made the investment and then they relocated to Birmingham. Uh, so, I mean, is, the, is your model really focused on bringing those type of companies to Birmingham or finding the uh, the golden goose locally and then putting capital on them. I mean, it's always great when you can find homegrown talent uh, and, and people that are already in the state, you know, but, but ultimately what we're looking for is we're looking for companies that have got, you know, a great founding team that are, you know, scalable, that are doing something really innovative in their space. And sometimes we'll find those in the state and sometimes we won't. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's easier uh, to make an investment where somebody isn't having to relocate. Um, but in some cases, there's a strategic advantage for them to relocate. And I think in the case of Junco was a good example of how that was strategically beneficial for them to not be in San Francisco anymore, but to be in Birmingham. Part of it is just the cost of operating a business in, in Birmingham is significantly cheaper than it is in San Francisco. But not only that, but the accessibility of people and talent and resources in Birmingham is superior in almost every way than it is in some of the larger markets. And we routinely get that feedback 
for Elite, the founder of Junco, she also said that one of the main motivating factors for her was it's an emerging startup market, which means she still has the opportunity to play a role as, as a leader, as a future leader uh, in shaping what's important uh, to this you know, ecosystem and, and, and how does it operate and what does it value. Um, and we're at a unique stage now where people can play a role there that they can't play in some of the larger, more established markets. And that's also something that we hear quite a bit. So the talent is where the talent is and the opportunity is where the opportunity is. For us, a lot of it has to just do with timing. You've got to get them when they're at the right stage. Um, and that's not just a place component, obviously, but it's also a timing component. And some of that is really dictating where and, and where we find these teams and when we can you know, make a, an investment. So if a company is going to relocate to Alabama, I mean, realistically, if we're being honest, I mean, is is Birmingham really the, the only ecosystem where there's a lot of startup activity or are, are you finding that other cities in Bama are also developing some ecosystems? I think that you're starting to see a bunch of different places in Alabama start to um, really emerge in that space. And I also think that depending on what the technology is or what the the customer base eventually will be for that. There are uh, different cities to look at in um, in Alabama to be strategic. Huntsville's got a huge aerospace um, and defense contracting, government contracting, uh, workforce and, and operating base. So if you're involved in those technologies, if you're involved in meeting the engineering talent that those technologies typically produce, um, if the government is ultimately a customer or user of your service, it really would behoove you to be in Huntsville. Um, likewise, we have some advantages here with uh, resources like UAB, um, some of the banking institutions and others that could be beneficial in Birmingham. If you're in logistics uh, or in that space uh, around it, adjacent space around it, you know, Mobile makes sense. If there is a port there, it's an operating port and there are, there are advantages there. And then, of course, you have Tuscaloosa and you have Auburn, you have Muscle Shoals and you have all these little pockets of these areas that are starting to really show what they can do to be supportive of, of entrepreneurs, especially at early stage, starting to be somewhat of a theme throughout the state. So I think you can look at it strategically and go, we're, there are several places you can be in the state. What, what makes the most sense for that team or that, that group of people where they are at the time? Right. All right. So you recently put out an article and by the way, I, I I love your Twitter. If if anyone is looking for controversial hot takes, uh, be be sure to go follow at Matt Redhawk, right? M A T T Redhawk on Twitter. Um, but one thing I saw you put out is an article that that you wrote on on Shipped, mm -hmm. and like Shipped was kind of the early, you know, an early um, breakout star, we'll say, of of the Birmingham ecosystem. I guess can you give us a little bit of uh, of co context on on what the article was about and kind of your, your thoughts on, on where they're at with their latest fundraising round? Yeah, so for those who don't know, you know, Shipped was a company that started, um, basically had $0 in revenue and then sold to Target at $550 million in a three-year period. So pretty astronomical rise um, and a very hard-charging and, and intelligent, capable CEO and executive staff um, over there, uh, Bill Smith, uh, founded that. But I think people don't realize, you know, Bill had been a successful entrepreneur a few times over before he even started Ships. So there was definitely a, a pedigree and a track record there. 
Um, but yeah, the article that I wrote uh, was specifically talking about them at a really interesting inflection point where um, Instacart had just announced an exclusive deal with Publix, which was about 1,100 uh, at the time, I think 1,100, almost 1,200 locations in the heart of ships, kind of main territory in the southeast, where Instacart was going to go exclusive and will go exclusive, and I believe 2020, um, and had just you know raised another monster round of funding. And so the question becomes, well, well, what does ships do at this point? Well, eventually, and what we didn't know at the time, but we could kind of intimate from what we were hearing, you know, just rumor mill. Um, they were already in negotiations with Target and I believe one other potential strategic acquirer. So they ended up, um, you know, selling to Target, which gave them a huge basis of operation, incredible institutional uh, resources, um, and now uh, growing like crazy and adding headcount here in Birmingham. So a really good um, kind of ending to the story as far as M&A goes, because certainly there's a flip side to that, which is somebody comes and acquires a company like Ship. And then they go and, and remove them or move them to, you know, to Minnesota or, you know, somewhere else if it were somewhere on the target. So um, very good ending to that story. But they were certainly at, a, at an interesting inflection point at that time. Well, so I guess what, what, what are your thoughts on the kind of positives and, and negatives for for the broader ecosystem? Because when you have a story like that, like a big exit, you know, it's it draws a lot of attention to uh, to, to a specific ecosystem. But, you know, as you mentioned, it could also, um, you know, once the corporation takes over, then, you know, they, they relocate talent and all that. Um, but, I mean, how have you seen that play out as like a net positive or net negative for, for the ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, all early indications have been that it's been a wildly positive thing. Um, people aren't being relocated. People aren't being reassigned. Um, if anything, they're adding headcount. They just added a huge amount of office space um, in another building that um, every time I talk to them, they're, they're kind of busting at the seams. Um, so they're clamoring for more space all the time. And it's high quality technical jobs, right? People are getting great opportunities there. It's not um, just kind of administrative or, you know, uh, kind of entry level jobs. There are some real opportunity, not only to find some great, um, you know, mid-level to senior level jobs, but also the ability to get promoted over time and grow with the organization. And they've been consistent about that. And Target's acquisition doesn't seem to have changed that at all. So it has been absolutely a net positive. Now, its effect outside, you know, in the entire ecosystem is it's a really important kind of beacon that we rally around. And when people are looking at and saying, seriously, you want me to, you know, relocate to Alabama or you want me to relocate that, I mean, to, to Birmingham, we say, well, you know, Here's Shep, right? Let's talk about the story of Shep. And then on top of that, you know, Bill and his staff have been really accessible when when they've been needed to be called on to help a recruiting effort or things like that. They've been available and they have been, you know, willing and able and excited to to help and be part of that story. I think also on top of it, what a lot of people don't realize is there was two other sizable exits within six months either side of the ship transaction. Um, and, you know, those three uh, transactions were, you know, around a billion dollars in kind of M&A activity. That's astounding um, for Birmingham. And I think it's part of what's, you know, kind of a lag indicator of what so many people have been working on for so long here. Now everybody else is just kind of seeing the kind of the, the numbers as a data point coming out of all of that hard work. 
So since starting this fund, I mean, where in Alabama outside of Birmingham have you seen the most deal flow that's kind of surprised you or like you didn't expect to, to find as much quality companies coming from, from those areas? You mean in the state or outside of the state? Let's do both. So I think that uh, I think Huntsville is definitely trying to um, develop and really foster uh, their ecosystem. They've got an incredible amount of engineering talent there. And I think, you know, I always say that the engineering talent in Huntsville is probably as, as thick and as, and as strong as anywhere in the state. And then kind of the entrepreneurial experience as far as like people starting businesses, successful businesses, exiting and so on and so forth. There are a lot of people in Birmingham um, that have that track record. And so it's kind of like if you could build a super company, you'd get engineering talent from Huntsville and operational talent from from Birmingham and they'd figure out how to make some, you know, some super companies out of it. So I think that Huntsville's on its way. We're starting to see more and more things come um, from a lot of that engineering talent that's, you know, starting to build technology for the first time. Um, and that's that's really encouraging. The universities continue to be great supporters of and, and I think uh, purveyors of some of that as well. Um, you know, Tuscaloosa just had a major investment in an entrepreneurial and innovation center called The Edge. Um, Auburn through the Harvard uh, College uh, there, the business school, uh, is doing unbelievably um, um, good work through their Tiger Cage program and their other incubation, and, and we spend time there as well. So I think it's coming from where you would expect it to come from for the most part. Now, outside of the state, where we're having a real advantage, I think, from a recruiting standpoint is, is some of the things that we mentioned before. You know, regionally, Atlanta and Nashville have become incredibly strong players from, a, 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 you know, absolute dollar perspective in investing. Uh, they are um, continually, you know, funding some of the biggest deals in the southeast are coming out of those two locations. Um, but what we're also hearing is that they've started to become kind of big uh, kind of communities where maybe they're not quite as navigable or accessible as they used to be. Um, and I think that's where we have a big advantage in Birmingham, where we can still be that kind of accessible, easy to navigate community. Um, and frankly speaking, it's a lot less expensive to, to operate in Birmingham. It's a lot less expensive to operate in, in Huntsville or Mobile, Montgomery, et cetera. And so the ability to give them access to the resources that they need that, that they aren't getting potentially from a funding perspective or from a resource perspective in those states or excuse me, in those cities has proven to be a pretty successful recruiting tool. Um, and, and hopefully we continue to, to leverage that. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of universities all over the country really putting a good amount of money into creating some sort of entrepreneurship or startup related uh, aspect to to their business school, um, and it, it makes sense with the huge endowments that they have. But with 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 the Alabama Futures Fund, I mean, are you? And, and, and I may have missed this, but did, did you take any economic development money for the fund? No. So this is a hundred percent privately raised. So all of these individuals, you know, we we did it kind of as a as a, as a private venture capital. There's no public money um, in it. So uh, yeah, it's just just those LPs. Well, so what are your thoughts on economic development organizations putting some of their budget towards, say, a, a local venture capital fund? I mean, do, do you think that's a, a, a good approach for a lot of these Midwest towns? 
I do. I, I think the be- I think the best models are. Uh, so let me answer it in two ways. First of all, yes, I think that what I would like to see is just take ten percent of what you are planning on giving back in tax incentive or tax forgiveness or building credits or whatever the case may be to that big, you know, manufacturing concern. Just take ten percent of what you were allocating to that and put it into exactly those types of funds for small companies that are going to be doing scalable businesses that are going to, you know, potentially create the next new technology, the innovation that, you know, really propels that city or that state or that county or whatever the case may be forward. Um, we've, we've for too long taken the traditional economic development model, which is we throw tens or hundreds of millions of dollars at, at big companies to locate jobs, but not necessarily change anything from an innovation or a technology standpoint. And I think that it doesn't take as much money at an early stage company to really make an impact. So if you set a you know small you know midwestern town or small southeastern town that wanted to or county that wanted to to you know take some of those economic development dollars and partner with some private investors and find several hundred thousand dollars or a few hundred thousand dollars to to start making those early stage investments, that's great. Now what I will say is that that creates or, or necessitates a pretty big shift in the mindset of economic developers, which is if they want to participate in that kind of thing, then they need to have really high quality you know, investment managers and they need to, for lack of a better term, kind of get out of the way. If they want to raise the money and provide the money and, and, and do that, that's fine. Um, but I, I think where that can get off the rails is when it becomes about you know, everybody trying to jump in the pool and get involved and frankly speaking, take credit for that stuff. That's probably not as helpful, right? Get good people in place that can go and, and find these investments and make good investments um, and trust that that's the, the direction that you're going in. Um, whereas I think that the, the economic development traditionally that you've always seen has been big and broad and everybody's involved and everybody's, I think this is much simpler, but people have to be okay with it being simpler, <laughs> Um, and probably a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think the biggest problem is is just the bureaucrat problem where you're not going to get fired if you give out tax incentives and attract uh, a company to come and create jobs. But if you put some money into a venture capital fund and it doesn't produce any winners, uh, that, then you got some problems. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah, I think that I think that's but that's the mindset that has to shift, right? So the less and less we are a manufacturing and production economy and the more and more we're a technology and services economy, we're going to have to start getting comfortable and I say it's very true. We, I mean, so Matt, before we head into the quick fire round, the people uh, I'm just going to give you the floor that, to the really give the world the, the pitch on why <laughs> they should take money from the Alabama Futures Fund and, and relocate to Bama. an opportunity to move forward. But that opportunity also poses risk. So, you know, the, the risk tolerance profiles probably are going to have to change for all of us uh, in order for that to be a real solution. Well, I, I'd answer that with saying they, they, maybe they shouldn't. Um, I think that any investment um, for founders should absolutely be a partnership and they should be as excited about who they're working with as they are about what capital potentially that represents. 
Um, I can tell you that uh, for us, it's important that we know that we can see a specific strategic advantage to working with a particular team that's outside of just being a financial advantage. Um, when we can't find that, we're less likely to make that investment. Um, and it should be for founders to look at it and say, yes, I, I can get money from them, but are they strategic? Are they going to be helpful when, when I'm, um, when I really need, uh, you know, resources and support and all of those things, who, who am I going to, to lean on? And if your investors aren't part of that solution, then I think you're probably shortchanging yourself. So, you know, Mickey and I often joke around the fact that we are, uh, we are venture capitalists by definition, um, but entrepreneurs by uh, self-identification. And what we get excited about are the founders and their models and what they're going through and knowing that we've been there. Like we've sweated payroll and we've sweated losing a major customer and not having all of the resources that we need and the, the late nights and the, you know, the consternation and of uh, just trying to make something work, believing wholeheartedly in something, even though it's been unproven. And so for founders that need that and for founders that need strategic partners and are trying to look at how do I do this differently? How do I do this in a way that's capital efficient? How do I do it in communities that are really excited about my existence and my success and have a vested interest in that success? That's certainly something you should consider. And if those are things that are important uh, to a founder, they absolutely should be looking at the Alabama Futures Fund and, and having conversations with us. Awesome. So Matt, you're a repeat guest. You know the drill. Four questions, 60 seconds per answer. Are you ready? Okay. Sure. All right. So it's my last night in Birmingham. I need to head out tomorrow. Uh, what is the, the, the number one uh, bar and restaurant that, that you would recommend I need to hit? This is easy. Shoe Shop. S-H-U Shop. It is a Japanese izakaya. It is run by uh, four phenomenal, homegrown, talented uh, bartenders, servers, operators. It's on 3rd Avenue North, um, and it's right in the theater district. And if you go there, drop my name, and I guarantee you will not walk out either hungry or sober. So you use code Matt Hoddle for 15% off? That, uh, not 15% off, but probably 15% more of everything else. How about that? Yeah, that's that still counts. That's a that, that's what you call a, a, a tax credit or ta tax incentive. Um, so the next unicorn coming out of Bama, what what city is it going to be from? That's a hard call. I, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a horse race between um, right now Birmingham and Huntsville. You know, Birmingham is starting to show that it really has pretty strong B two C acumen that maybe we hadn't had before. But in Huntsville, you've got people that are working on massively huge solutions for massively huge markets, everything from genomic research to literally space tourism. So it's really hard. I think it's going to be a foot race between those two, um, if I had to guess. So if you can, let's say you're, you're raising a fund from scratch. If you can choose one person, dead or alive, uh, to be the, the lead LP in the fund, who would that be and why? Probably Brad Feld, um, and he's living, thankfully. Um, I, I really appreciate Brad's uh, uh, kind of take on building communities and startup um, um, communities and startup ecosystems. I, I really appreciate his approach to it. And so I always feel like he's, and I think that he's always been founder first, uh, which is important to Mickey and I. So I, I would definitely take Brad Feld. And then final question, Matt, what is your favorite thing about living in Birmingham? 
the people without question. And I don't even have to think about it. Um, the vibrancy that's starting to be created here or that has been created here and that we're just now, I think, really taking advantage of um, is, is found and is, is celebrated by the people who are here. And I think that people who visit who haven't been here or, or haven't been here in a long time come and they all say the same thing, which is, you know, they, they kind of mouths are, 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 you know, kind of hanging open a little bit and go, I had no idea that this city has come as far as it has. And while we still have a long way to go, the people are a huge part of that solution. And that's what I get excited about every day um, is getting to, to live and work among such a, an incredible group of, of human beings. Awesome. Well, Matt Hoddle, Alabama Futures Fund and partner in Red Hawk Advisory. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 